And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. It is the start of a new week. A new month getting off the ground, which means money. Welcome, everybody. We are live from the bunker. My name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor-in-chief here at Sci-Fi For Me. Good to have all of you with us. The live chat is open. We are broadcasting to Facebook, Odyssey, and YouTube. And at least for now, doesn't look like we're having any issues. <coughs> we'll see how long that lasts. Uh, the comments, if you are not with us live, you can leave a comment. You can send us an email, live from the bunker at sci fi We are also available on a number of different podcast platforms. And uh, that includes Spotify. At least for now, we'll see what happens. I guess that's a that's as good a place as any to start with because I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at some of the different things that have been going on with Spotify, and I know that there are certain people on staff that if I sat there and said, you know, if Spotify decides to dump Joe Rogan. And I decide arbitrarily to dump Spotify, take our shows off Spotify. I'm sure that there are some people on the staff who would have words with me and we'd probably end up parting ways. It doesn't really, (coughs) excuse me, it doesn't really feel like a partisan decision to me. And, and Dan Danford of the Family Investment Center here with us today. Dan, if, if Spotify is smart, as a platform, and again, we're we're getting back to this whole section two thirty thing of the of the communications, you know, stuff, where you have the Spotify CEO basically saying, "Really, look, we don't we don't really like what Joe has to say. Sometimes maybe he says some stuff that's offensive and all that. Yes, fine, but we're not going to deplatform him." Because reasons, and he comes out and gives this whole big uh, apology speech memo to the staff. It sounds like he's more worried about what the staff thinks about him than than anything else. That's what that's what happened with the New York Times, as you recall. They, yeah. Uh, yeah, the journalists all rebelled against uh, the editorial writer and, and and got her fired. I can't remember her name now. Um, I, I think, you know, we're seeing the manifestation of, um, of, you know, the streaming world, I think. And, uh, I, I think it's, it may get better, but it's not going to get better right away. And, no. and it's kind of interesting to watch it evolve. Well, it just, it just seems to me that, I was talking about this with Mindy over the weekend. There, there seems to be this lack of thinking two or three or four steps down the road. We're, we're worried about the immediate consequences. We're worried about the immediate fallout, the immediate response. 
without considering what's next. What happens after this one? What happens after this particular crisis? We get through this, then what? And then the next one comes in, and the next one comes in. And you have these escalations at the at the point where, you know, any decision is going to be met with, um, let's say, negative feedback. But, you know, you've got calls for boycotts. You've got Neil Young and Joni Mitchell, all these people sitting there saying, well, take all my stuff off of Spotify if you're going to if you're going to platform Joe Rogan. It just seems a little short sighted to me. I think one thing is that um, and business is no different from any place else is that, you know, there's the big bell curve there. Uh, some people are smarter and more visionary than others. And we sort of assume that the people at the top of networks or companies uh, have the vision thing, but it's not as common as you'd think. And, you know, seeing three or four steps down the road, uh, for some people that comes pretty easy, other people it doesn't. And, um, you know, there's always been the rules, you know, the, a football team has 52 people on the roster on the NFL, but there's no different. I mean, you know, there's no secret of the fact that some are treated better and differently than others based right. on their talent level. It's the same thing's true on Spotify. The same thing's true on Fox. Um, you know, there, there, there are certain people on there that, that command an audience and in, in any kind of broadcast audience, um, you know, that's related to ad sales, et cetera, et cetera. And so those people do get treated with different gloves. Yeah. Um, I'll personally be surprised, um, you know, if, if Whoopi Goldberg doesn't weather this just fine and come back to where she is because she commands a huge audience. Well, uh, so I, does Joe Rogan. Yeah, yeah. And, that's the, and that's the other thing here. You look at, at what's going on with Whoopi Goldberg, for example, and... right. The things what she said, it was, it was interesting. I saw a video from Dennis Prager the other day talking about whether or not did she did she actually say something anti-Semitic, racist type thing. And his his point, if I if I take it correctly, his point is that basically she was right and wrong when <laughs> when she says it's not about race. He's like, well, technically, uh, the Jews are not a race. There are people they're a nation, they're a chosen people, they're descendants of, of Jacob, but you can also be uh, converted to Judaism, you can be a Jew and be Greek and German and African, I mean, there are, there are a number of different nationalities because Jewish faith is a faith, it's a, it's a belief, it's, it's, not a, it's not a race, but he says on the flip side of it, you know, when when Hitler went after the Jews, he was saying the Aryan race is the best and these people are not Aryans. And so we go after them. And and so there's that that fine line, this distinction. But, you know, Goldberg's right in that we have people turning against each other. And this is not any different. A lot of people point out this is the same kind of thing that Gina Carano was talking about when she posted that thing over on Instagram about how the 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 Nazis came to power because they they managed to convince neighbors to not trust neighbors. And I think, um, you know, that, that what you just said makes sense, I guess, from a factual standpoint. 
but I don't think the facts matter so much. I mean, uh, today with with the world we're in, you know, the the woke speech and things like that are actually more important than the facts that underlie them. There are certain things we aren't allowed to talk about. And if you talk about those things, you're going to face repercussions no matter what. And uh, I, I just think that's a manifestation and especially on these like streaming networks, um, because, you know, t- to choose to stream, you know, it's, it's self choosing, <laughs> you know, your customers are choosing, they're opting into this. And so they can opt out just as easily. It's not like the old network TV where there were just three channels and you had to be watching one of the three. Now it's, you're going to, you're going to opt in to watch this. Right. And that gives a certain power there that wasn't there before. And uh, I think we're seeing that. I mean, it's not just with this issue with Joe Rogan. I think it's interesting. You know, one of the things I saw this weekend that I thought was really interesting is the the network broadcast of the Olympics has been dismal ratings. I mean, yeah. they, they've been really bad. But Peacock is having the best ratings it's ever had it had some of the strongest days that it's had same olympics it's just two different devices for watching the olympics and uh, I, I think it just shows that streaming is in a lot of ways is becoming uh, more prevalent than the old ways of doing things well and i think too the the fact that the the olympics are going on in china you have a political right. component there uh, where, you know, some people are sitting there going, you, you're doing it in China. I'm not going to watch. And, and that could be a factor in that as well. And the, and the time difference. That's another thing, you know, from the Midwest here, it's a 13 hour time difference. Yeah. So their prime time, uh, events there are not in prime time here. Probably does work better from a streaming perspective. So both those things, but that's the power of streaming, right? Yeah. Well, and we've got a, a comment here, uh, uh, NYC, FJB, yeah, buddy, let's talk money. Because that does that does factor into all of this, because the decisions that are being made uh, with regard to Whoopi Goldberg, for example, or Joe Rogan, a lot of this is driven by money. You have now Rumble making the offer to Rogan, $100 million over the next four years. You come be exclusive over on Rumble. We're not going to censor you. You're not gonna t- we're not going to tell you what to do or not do. And I, I raised the question, uh, I want to say last week, about, uh, with, with specific regard to Whoopi Goldberg, uh, a lot of people are pointing out the, the double standard. You know, you know, Gina Carano got let go, Roseanne Barr got let go, Whoopi Goldberg gets a two-week paid vacation. And, and we don't know if she's paid during her suspension or not. That's an assumption that a lot of people are making. But... It's it's been missed, and a lot of people have not discussed the fact that this particular situation is happening under a completely different regime, because now you have Susan Arnold in charge of the board, you have Bob Chapek fully in charge of Disney as CEO, and Bob Iger is gone, so maybe not a double standard, as I pointed out last week, maybe it's a new standard. Maybe we're going to see, because we've got this story from the from that park place, WDW Pro, talking about something that possibly may be going on at Lucasfilm. <clears throat> now, this is, this is speculative at best. 
So, uh, so don't read too much into this. But again, Lucasfilm is a Disney, a Disney subsidiary, a Disney-owned company. Pablo Hidalgo has been there for a number of years, and he's part of the story group. Has been antagonistic to fans on on social media in the past. But recently, somebody noticed that he had scrubbed his Lucasfilm affiliation from his public Twitter bio. And going down the rabbit hole, some people think that he's he's posted a couple of things that were not uh, that did not put Bad Robot and J.J. Abrams in a positive light. And so there's a suspicion now that Pablo Hidalgo could be on the outs at Lucasfilm, whether he's been suspended or whether he's been fired. This seems like to be a third strike in terms of things that he's done that kind of makes Lucasfilm look bad. But now you've got, again, a completely different regime in charge of Disney, and you've got this memo coming out from Bob Chapek a few weeks ago saying, we don't want to work against our customers. So could the Whoopi Goldberg thing, could this Pablo Hidalgo thing be a sign of a new sheriff in town? We're going to do things different from here on out. Now, we can't do anything about Gina. That was Bob Iger's bailiwick. And whether Kathleen Kennedy is actually still in charge of Lucasfilm or she's a figure or whatever, I mean, that that debate continues. But now that we're in 2022, these are the first incidents where now there are consequences for people who are ostensibly on the left making stupid comments. Yeah, and, it kind of reminds me a few a few years ago, there was a book and I, I think is I'm trying to think of the guy's name, but he was a. Uh, He'd actually been in the United States and was pretty important here, but he'd gone back to his home in in Venezuela or some South American country. And he was a, a anyway, doesn't matter so much about what what he was, but his point was he was talking about, I think the book was called The Demise of Power. And and one of the things it talked about was in today's segmented world, it's easy, it's easy to put a coalition together that that can attack somebody. It's much harder to put a coalition together that can like elect somebody. So yeah. his point was that no matter who you put up there, it's easy to find enough people to to just raise hell about that person and, and basically keep them from achieving what they want to achieve. But you don't you, you probably won't have a majority, but you got enough to make a big noise. And as I've watched the last several years you see that in a lot of different places that woke thing is partly that it's it's although they claim to be speaking for a majority my guess is it's a much smaller group than than what they claim right but they make enough noise that everybody else is scared to death to, to say or do anything about it and i think we see that in politics so you see a lot of politicians who you know, there, there's just a, a real strong plus or a real strong minus, but it's really easy to build a group against something. Yeah. And uh, I think we're starting, I think we're starting to see that the streaming service, you know, the, 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 what you were talking about with Disney, uh, you know, I, I was taught in, in school 40 years ago when I got my degree in marketing, that that is marketing is to listen to your customers and develop products and services that your customers want. That is the essence of marketing. But it didn't used to be so easy to see as it is now when you've got all the streaming services and stuff. I mean, yeah. it's really easy to zero in on who your 
audience is. Well, and, and we continue to see these CEOs apologizing to their staff. I'm like, <laughs> hold on. Yes. You're the CEO. Yeah. You're the boss. You're the one who's supposed to be in charge. You should not have to apologize and answer to your staff. They answer to you. Right? I mean, that's how it is here. I'm the boss. I, 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 I make decisions. And yes, I have conversations with people on staff. They say, what do you think about this? What are we going to do? But ultimately, I'm responsible for it. And that's one of the reasons why on the social media, I haven't gone off the rails with political statements and, and things like that because those social media channels are the brand. They're not me. And right. so I have to be really careful about what we do with Twitter and with, you know, MeWe and Minds and Facebook and, and all those other things. It's got to stay on brand. And it's tough. I sit there and I think, oh, man, I really could. I, I could go off on this. And I, I limit myself to my personal Facebook page to do that because doing it on the brand page puts it out there in front of everybody on staff. And, and it doesn't always reflect what everybody on staff thinks. But if I'm the CEO of Spotify, I'm sitting there, I'm going to say, look, we have a contract. This is business. I'm the boss. You're the employee. If you don't like it, there's the door. There are plenty of other people that are hiring. I, I don't disagree with any of that, although I do think that, um, you know, in today's world, uh, employees have a lot of power. <laughs> They just do. And uh, we, we scratch our heads about that a little bit now. The, the expectations as far as, you know, work week, vacation, time off, what you can do while you're sitting at your desk. And they, the expectations change over time. And there are people on my staff that do things today I would have never dreamed of trying 20 or 25 years ago. Yeah. And yet, and I'm not saying I'm powerless. But I'm saying I don't have the same power that my bosses had over me 20 years ago. But um, at the same time, though, ultimately, wh whoever is is making decisions for how the company is run, ultimately, right. you're responsible because no, you're the absolutely. founder, you're the CEO. So, you know, blame or or credit is you know, right there at the top. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why I think it was so astounding to me why Jack Dorsey never quite understood why people kept blaming him for everything that was going on at Twitter, because what Twitter, Jack, it's your thing. This is your, this is your it's, baby. You're responsible. It was a tenet of management, you know, that you can, you can delegate authority, but not responsibility. Yeah. I can say to you, hey, Jason, you work for me and you're in charge of this and you have all the authority to do that as you want. But if you don't get it done, it's my fault. Yeah. That is responsibility. And what you're saying is absolutely right. So with this uh -huh. Chapek memo, <clears throat> and he comes in, he says, we're going to be doing things differently. We're not going to be working against our customers. Could that have trickled down because Whoopi Goldberg, yes. that that's ABC. Uh, right. Pablo Hidalgo is Lucasfilm. Could that, you know, that memo from Chapek, could he be sitting there saying, all right, this goes out to everybody. This goes out to all of the corporate heads, all of the C-suites. Everybody's going to be doing it this way or else. And the bottom line is 
We have to be doing things that make us money. We are a profit-driven company. We have to pay our shareholders. We have to pay our employees. We've got to make money. So that seems to be ultimately the driving force. You know, we're, uh, we, we have to do the things that sell the toys and the, and the, the tickets to the parks and, and that sort of thing. It should be what drives everything. And um, I'm not saying companies don't have social responsibilities. They do. Um, but, you know, ultimately, uh, if you don't generate a profit, if you don't get a return for shareholders, the people who put up the money, then you are not doing your job as CEO. I mean, that's bottom line. Um, I'm always astounded. You know, I see these things and, you know, on it doesn't matter where you see them, but you'll say somebody will say, well, that company made $2 billion last year, and that's just an obscene profit. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, part of the equation is missing. You know, you know, you need to know whether it's an obscene profit or not. You need to know how much money was invested. Right. <laughs> so mm -hmm. if, if we invested $5 billion to make $2 billion, that's a 40% return. That's a pretty, that's an obscene profit. But if we invested $40 billion to make $2 billion, that's, that's a 5% return. That is not an obscene profit. Yeah. You've got to know how much is involved. Now, companies like Disney and stuff, you know, the, there are billions of shareholder dollars that are tied up there. Okay. They're entitled to make a return on their money and they're entitled to make a good return on their money. And that's what he's supposed to do. Well, and, and you, you look at some of the decisions that are made at that corporate level, with with the regard to that, I mean, uh, Cameron Pasha has has pointed out that Wall Street expectations when Disney bought Lucasfilm and they said we're going to make a new trilogy. The expectation was the first movie was going to make two billion. The next movie make two and a half billion. The third movie make three billion. And it didn't. It went two billion, one and a half, one. And it went the opposite direction of what they were saying needed to do. And there are some people that are still speculating whether or not they've actually made their money back on that four billion dollar purchase, where they right. spent so much on on Lucasfilm. And now you turn around, you got uh, you've got the the Discovery Warner Media deal, where last week it was announced that they're spinning off Warner Media as its own thing. It's not going to be a split off of the company. It's going to be a spin off. And apparently there's a distinction there. Uh, and, and okay, oh, okay. Yep. Uh, that's, that's beyond my ken, as they say. But we also have the possibility that the CW could be on the chopping block. That network could be sold because... You, I guess it factors in because it's co-owned between CBS Viacom and Time Warner, Warner Media, AT&T, whatever, whatever the entity is now. So if Warner Media is to merge with Discovery, maybe they have to divest themselves of that particular. It would be, <laughs> there me, would be item. regular. Yeah, no, there'd be yeah. regulatory issues in looking at that for sure. And I just read a thing this morning that, you know, Hasbro owns uh, 40%, I think, of Disney. And uh, they're looking at, at what? they're considering their options. Hasbro uh, owns 40% of Disney? I thought that's what the story said. Let me go back and check now, because you said it like that. That makes me worry that's gonna, that I didn't get it right. You know, given, given how often things turn over who owns what, it would not surprise me. 
Um, I know Hasbro has a, they, I know they have a company called E1, which is their entertainment division, which is developing, you know, new Transformers and G.I. Joe and all that other stuff. Um, that would be interesting if, if Hasbro and Disney were going to get into some kind of a deal. Uh, well, I'm not sure. I need to go back and look. I, it, th- there was a 40% stake that Hasbro had, and I thought it was in Disney. But oh, I, you could gonna... be, it, it could be, you were thinking, it could be, you were thinking about the Mattel deal because that Mattel, Mattel got the Disney princess license back from Hasbro. Well, in any case, whoever toys, owned this big video. chunk was considering what they were going to do with it. That and, could you know, be, that, that could be what goes, that is. It goes back to the issue of, you know, the decisions that are made in the corporate suite. And, you know, a lot of those decisions are really capital allocation decisions. Yeah. They're, you know, where do we put our money to to generate the best returns over time? And it can be that a strategic decision you made five years ago has now grown in value the way you expected it to. And it's time for you to take your profits and allocate that money to someplace else those kinds of things happen all the time they're rarely um apparent to the rest of us i mean they may be apparent in the c-suite that this is the right thing to do at the right time and all that it's kind of like i remember talking with you uh sometime back about um i think it was cnn selling their headquarters building oh right for billions of dollars well you know that doesn't necessarily make sense on the face of it but if you were looking at the numbers it might very well make sense say instead of owning this building now we're going to sell it and we're going to lease it back we'll still be working in the building but we'll have that money from the sale that we can put into something else well it's like viacom cbs did the same thing with the cbs studios and people said well that's how they bought the you know, that's how they managed to finance buying back all of this, all of the international streaming rights from Netflix for Star Trek Discovery so they could put it on on Paramount Plus, which, which is not in very many countries yet. So that's it kind of seems like you, a dumb idea. And, but. and no, and you're making you're 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 making decisions on the best information that's available to you today. But that doesn't mean it'll play out. Yeah. I mean, you know, just because it looks like it'll play out doesn't mean it will play out. And um, and that's part of management. So, you know, when somebody leaves and, you know, you you and I might scratch our head and say, well, that guy did so well, blah, blah, blah. Well, he might not have done well in some area we don't see. I think that happens all the time. Sure. Sure. All right. So uh, we will uh, we will take a break here at the moment. and, And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit further about the possibility of some of these deals not actually going through because we had an article that we talked about last week. I want to get your thoughts on it too. Uh, So we will continue our discussion of things financial with Dan Danford right after this. Don't go anywhere. Live from the bunker, the radio show that's almost as good as bacon. Hi everyone, Jason Hunt here inviting you to join us every Saturday for news, science fiction, fantasy, and horror headlines from the week, plus interviews, updates on events going on around the world, and the weather forecast for the same. It's all wrapped up in one neat package for your weekend. We call it Good Morning Multiverse, every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 Central, right here on Sci-Fi for Me TV. Thank you. 
Back live from the bunker, Jason Hunt here, along with Dan Danford, the founder, CEO of Family Investment Center. And we've got a we've got a, a comment in the chat from Eastland. Uh, businesses consider something called opportunity cost. The opportunity cost is what the the two the second best thing you could do with that cash or asset uh, or those skilled employees. And you know you've got uh, the money that was spent on Lucasfilm. You've got the money that that Disney has spent on Marvel. And, uh, you know, way back in the day on Pixar and, and those kind of things. And it is one of those, you know, it's an opportunity cost. It's an investment. We're going to put the money in. And, but the idea is eventually we're supposed to get that money back. Right. Yeah, and the idea, the economic idea behind opportunity costs, honestly, it's one of my favorite um one of my favorite investment terms and uh, it applies in business all the time and that is basically that anytime you make a decision you also give something up and what you gave up was the opportunity cost of that decision so when you allocate capital to this project it means that there are these projects over here that you aren't going to get to finish up because you don't have the capital to do it that's Mm -hmm. the opportunity cost right the problem is is, is that you're rarely making decisions with perfect information. So you're trying to make the best decisions you can based on the information you have. And that's both about the decision you make and also about the decisions you give up. Now, it is possible that even with your best information, you should have better information. Okay, so that's a downfall of management. If you should have known better and you didn't, that's your fault. Uh, but it's also possible that things change pretty dramatically. Yeah. And I think that's part of what we're seeing in this whole streaming universe and stuff is uh, I, I think uh, the pandemic may have hurried it along, but there are a lot of things that, you know, we didn't really see coming until now that they're happening. Well, and I, I think that's changed a lot. And let me let me ask you this, because, you know, you, you we've talked about the Discovery Warner Media deal and a lot of discussion has taken place over this notion that when I, when AT&T bought Time Warner, they kind of got in over their heads. They 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 are a telecommunications company. They're a phone company and they're trying to get into entertainment media without really understanding the Hollywood machine and the entertainment media and all of that. And here we are, what, two years later, and they're decided, okay, this was a bad idea. We're getting out. And then we have, last week, we've got Hollywood Reporter, week before last, concerns for Hollywood mega deals emerge amid Justice Department posturing. Now that the Democrats are back in charge, uh, you've got the same kind of thing where we saw the the Department of Justice under under Bill Clinton going after Microsoft. And of course, the Microsoft Activision deal is is now facing scrutiny because of how big it is. I mean, seventy you know sixty eight billion dollars, and you've got this. Uh, concern over what the federal government is going to do with the Discovery uh, Discovery Warner Media deal. And then, you know, last week we've got Sony saying we're going to buy Bungie, which is a, 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 a video game development company. So all of these things now suddenly 
what if they don't go through? What if they don't happen? What does that mean for investors? What does that mean for those companies? Now, what what kind of adjustments are they going to have to make if the Department of Justice or the Federal Trade Commission comes in and throws a flag on the play and blows the whistle and says, no, you can't? Yeah, I mean, it's a very real issue. Um, you know, there are lots of anti-trade kinds of uh, anti-monopoly kinds of things that come into play. And again, I think that's another thing that has happened as a result, maybe partly of the pandemic. And a lot of it comes from the Twitter, Facebook, you know, the, those, those giant companies that, that have enormous power. And I think that there is new scrutiny on all of those. And I think it bleeds over into some of these other areas as well. Um, and, and the thing is, is we don't know what the response is. But first of all, if, if the Justice Department, you know, proposes to block something, well, there's a lot of, of you know, between the time I say I'm going to block you from doing that and when it actually happens can be years. Yeah. Because there could be all kinds of lawsuits involved there, and there's certainly all kinds of legal stuff. And so what they set out to block can end up being different than what they said they were going to several years down the road. Um, I don't think we know the fallout. I mean, you, you don't. All you know is that the regulatory environment has now become part of the picture. So when you're pricing these assets or pricing these mergers and things like that that are going on, you have to now also factor in a little more risk because we aren't sure what might happen from a regulatory standpoint. Right. And it does make a difference on all those things. It makes a difference on, um, you know, the price of the shares. It makes a difference on the potential profitability of the, of the, of the company. It makes a difference on the content of the, that they're going to generate. Um, I think it's really interesting. Well, and Microsoft CEO apparently sat down with the financial times and that, that article is behind a paywall IGN reporting on it here. Uh, Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella said that he doesn't believe Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard will be blocked by the Federal Trade Commission. And uh, this basically goes on. He's, he's basically saying, even with this acquisition, we're going right. to be number three in the market and we're only going to be appealing to this particular niche of the teen market not everybody in all the market so it's still kind of this limited we're not going to be a monopoly thing and have all of this control over everything we're just we're still just here despite the size of this deal and and of course that's what you'd expect them to say right yeah so um and it's the same, you know, when you talk about AT&T, you can kind of see what happened. You know, there's a concept in business that's called vertical integration that mm -hmm. says, you know, if you raise uh, if, if you raise chickens, um, you know, you you can you can also raise chicken feed, you know, and right. you can also own the grocery store that sells the chickens. And if it's done right you make more money for having done all that. Well, AT&T, their, you know, their thinking was, we're the, guy, we're the guys that control the cables. We're the guys that control the technology. We're the guys that control. So it just fits that we should have the content as well. It's a form of vertical integration. Yep. I think what they've seen is two years later, it didn't work as well as they thought it was going to work. Well, and I think the other, the other part of that too is, you know, and 
I, I look at this stuff, I look at this vertical integration like you're talking about. You know, every almost every studio has their own streaming service now. You've got, right. you know, Hulu and Paramount Plus and, and Disney Plus and Apple TV Plus and Amazon Prime and all of that. Sony's the only one sitting out there. I think Sony and Universal are the only ones that don't have a streaming service at this point. They they just do their thing. But Sony has the PlayStation Network. So you right. could conceivably at yes. some point make some deal where you're streaming movies to the PlayStation Network. If they don't do that already, they might. But it brings me to mind of the Paramount decision of 1948, where the, 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 the government came in and said, you movie theater, you movie studios, you can't own the theaters. And all of that stuff got broken up, and you know RKO Studios went away because of that. You had right. you had this now where you can't have that vertical integration so much because it monopolizes your product into your into your distribution uh, channels. And you know how long did it take? What thirty some odd years to break up AT and T into the various different baby bells? And, right. the, the, you know, they went after Microsoft for the same reasons, antitrust, all of that, which gave us the big philanthropist Bill Gates to try to, to re, reshape his, his, uh, his reputation. And now look at where we are. Um, but it, no, that's it, right. But it seems like on the one hand, I can sit there and I say, I... As a conservative, I'd rather the government mind, mind its own business and stay out of mind. But at the same time, I look at how big some of these companies are getting. You know, Disney's huge and Microsoft is, is ginormous and all these. And I'm thinking, well, maybe it's not such a bad idea we keep some of these mergers from happening because you've got so much consolidation where now you've got four or five companies that own all of these other hundreds of companies. And I think that's you're thinking exactly like those regulators. And I would even say it's not maybe so much the the uh, the lawmakers. It, it's not so much because, you know, Congress people, they go in and they run and they, you know, they're maybe there, most of them for 10 years or less, whatever. It's the bureaucrats. It's the yeah. people. It's the career guys in the Justice Department. It's the career guys at the Federal Communications Commission. Those are the ones that look at those issues and say, this is getting too big. It doesn't, you know, we need to figure out a way to uh, to do it. And there's and no question. And how many of those that, people actually even understand the process of making media? Well, no, most of them don't. Absolutely not. No. Um, and 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 that's the downside kind of thing. Um, but it also, you know, if you busted up the big ones and, you know, if the talent really is, you know, the content, if that's where the then those that people, those people will get together and create something new. I mean, it's just the way it's kind of a cycle. Um, but you're taking some of the power away from the big players. I mean, remember when, remember when actors and actresses used to belong to a particular studio? Oh yeah. Yep. The I whole, mean, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you, they paid you a salary to do whatever they asked you to do or whatever. Well, that system, you know, you can say, and that's what led know, some to of the United greatest Artists. movies. Yeah. Oh, you can say that some of the greatest movies ever were created under that system. Yeah. 
Okay, that but there's been a whole lot of good stuff created since then when we don't have that system too. Well, so, and and you know, you look at the landscape now with YouTube and some of these other video platforms coming on. I mean, Rumble being one, you know, that's trying to be a major player in the marketplace. You've got Odyssey, you've got BitChute, you've got all of these others that are sitting there trying to position themselves as the alternative to YouTube because right. at some point YouTube has to get MySpaced. I mean, <laughs> you would think at some point, because of all of the decisions that have been made over the last, especially the last two or three years, and the criticism and the and the the blowback that that YouTube and Susan Wojcicki and and Google and Alphabet are all getting, and you've got this scrutiny coming from from federal the federal level. You've got Facebook coming under fire. You've got Twitter coming under fire. At some point, it's got to collapse. It's got to collapse in on itself because it gets too big and, and out of control. Maybe. Well, and I, I think there, you know, I think every business has a has a natural life cycle too, and some natural life cycles get extended because regulatory issues work in their favor. Yeah. You know, there there are some that that, that would have been. You know, if competition really could rise up and, and attack them, they would be gone by now. But because of the regulatory environment, they continue on and they will continue on. But there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, I started a business and operated it for 10 or 15 years, made the money out of it, did the good things I wanted to do. And now it's time for somebody else. And, and I don't think we do that much anymore, but I do think it's very real. Yeah. Um, well, I've gone so, 13 years yeah. here. I'm still waiting for the overnight success to pay <laughs> off. So, you know, maybe maybe at the 15 year mark, I'll start making some money and I can I can do something different. I'm, right? I'm giving a speech later this week. And one of the things I'm talking about is uh malcolm gladwell and his ten thousand hours you know yeah. uh, he basically says nobody really excels at anything until they've put ten thousand hours into it and it depends on what we do you know um, I, i've been in business now for 30 or 40 years but i wasn't doing the important things for 10,000 hours necessarily, yeah. even though I've been sitting here for a long time. Right. The same no, thing's totally probably true of you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and it's, and it's one of those things too, where, you know, in, in these, in these businesses, especially at the corporate level, the big, the bigger businesses, there's so much delegation and yeah. you do this thing and you do that thing, you do this thing. And for me, it's kind of hard to do that because of the technical aspects of things. Exactly. You I have, have to, to teach you how you to push to the do. buttons. So, you know, one of these days, maybe we'll uh, we'll have some kind of uh, revenue streaming in here at some point. But you never know. I mean, it could it could very well be that YouTube shuts us down tomorrow. I you know, you, you do what you're good at it and you keep getting better at it and uh, good results often come. That's what I'll say. Well, we can you hope put yourself. Know. You put yourself in a in a in a position to succeed. It doesn't guarantee that you will succeed, yeah. but you aren't going to, if you aren't in the position to. So, well, now uh, let me ask you this one, this one last one, because this thing kind of popped up on the radar and it, and it took me by surprise because I didn't think that this was going to be a thing anymore. This is back from January direct TV and dish in merger talks again, even though they got told, this is not a good idea. You can't you can't really do it. I mean, didn't federal regulators already shut this down once? 
Well, yeah, they kept the original merger from taking place or whatever, but that doesn't mean that you can't go back and revisit it under different terms that they might uh, might accept. And the other thing is, is that, you know, their situation is different now than it was five or 10 years ago because of the streaming and the other places that are available that are no longer satellite type uh, broadcast right. um, that you could go in and you could argue that, you know, now the, the entire broadcast situ- situation has become so much more fragmented than it was back then that that may be a survival issue for one or both of these companies. And so uh, you, the regulators might take a different look at it now than they did back then. Yeah. So what yeah, are the, we'll odds, see what happens. What are the odds that if, if some of the, if some of these deals like, like Microsoft Activision or Sony Bungie or, or, or Discovery Warner media or, you know, Amazon and MGM, if the federal regulators come in and say, no, you can't do it. I would imagine at some point they would circle back and try to figure out, you know, they'd tweak it and they'd adjust it and they'd try to do it again. Or is it one and done and we're stuck? No, I, no, I don't think it's one and done. I think there's always an opportunity to, to, to go back, but there's always, you know, we talked about opportunity costs later. Uh, Some things that will work at a particular point in time, might not work very well two years down the road, even though everything else stays the same. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, sometimes that's a lost opportunity that, you know, you, after it's over and done, you say, no, we can't do that. And we won't ever do that. But I think there are others where you come back and you say, Hey, let's see if we do this and this and this, if we can make it work. And it's possible that, you know, there's different people sitting in those regulatory seats too. Yeah. Uh, Keely Chow. Yes, that is actually true. Speaking of not being affiliated, just so we're clear, we're not affiliated with Hollywood, Disney, Viacom, CBS, AT&T, Warner media discovery. We are not. And what? I'm not feeling suicidal. I have to, I have to put that out, I guess. (laughs) Um, well, and, and it's interesting because, you know, I can sit there and, you know, I talked last week about the fact that I've got an FCC license and, you know, I, I had to have that in order to start working in radio 33 years ago. Nowadays, they don't require that. And, you know, I, my mindset is I'm a broadcaster more than I am a YouTuber. And that carries with a certain, a certain mindset, a certain set of responsibilities and obligations and, you know, when when we're sitting talking about this kind of stuff, I guess at some point I, I probably should disclose that I've got something. I, I guess it's a 401k. I don't know, because I work for Hearst Television. So Aha. there may be something out there where I've got some kind of investment somewhere, but I have no idea what it is. I, I get these I get these statements and I look at it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. And I put it aside. I never I never pay attention. I guess I should, because who knows what that could be. I'm like, well, maybe, maybe I got a pile of money sitting there somewhere and I don't even know about it. Right. Yeah. But what you or I, either one own is not going to matter to any of these guys. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. Disney or Viacom or anybody else isn't going to, we, we aren't going to profit much by those discussions. So, yeah. But at the same time, I mean, Disney's, Disney's got an earnings call coming up this week, I believe on Wednesday. Uh, and, and, you know, there's been a lot of scrutiny still with, you know, the whole book of Boba Fett and the, 
the question of whether or not the Civil War is going on still at Lucasfilm, who's in charge, is it Kathleen Kennedy or John Favreau, whatnot. And, and uh, you know, I mentioned Kemmer Pasha earlier. He's got somebody at Disney uh, over on his Patreon. He's, he's written an article where somebody at Disney has forwarded to him documents, internal emails, basically saying the woke language has to stop. The way, the way we're doing things, somebody in there apparently is realizing that the, the progressive identity politics mindset loses money and we need to stop doing this. Uh, and it would be really interesting to see just how that, just how far that's gone. Cause again, full disclosure, I'm technically considered an employee of the Walt Disney company because of my freelance work with ESPN, uh, because they, you know, they, they hire local crews to come in and supplement the network crews that come in for all the sporting events, you know, basketball and football and whatnot. So I had to fill out all this paperwork and I keep getting these emails from, from Disney HR for all of these different things. Like I'm not an employee. Right. I, I'm a contractor, and I, I contract with Disney ESPN through a third party. So I'm like, how am I, how am I, okay, whatever. But I still get the emails from Bob Chapek saying, here's how we're going to do things. So I have to wonder how much those emails about the woke culture right. disseminated out past, you know, wherever they originated, whoever, whoever that right. came from. Because you lose money when you do the thing that the audience doesn't like. And the, the pendulum always swings too far. Yeah. Um, I suspect we're seeing on the whole woke thing and you know, even even the, the ultra left liberal progressive agenda. I, I, I think we're starting to see the pendulum swing back the other direction now. Yeah. Um, time will tell. Well, and Bill I, Maher, Bill Maher is one of those that calls absolutely. it out. He says, you know, it's we're well past the time where where this thing needs to be done. So, I my worry is that it's going to swing so far the other direction well, we're going to be could, at the other too. extreme. And and then No, 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 it could too. Although, you know, they would argue that, you know, part of the reason why it swung this far to the left is because under the Trump thing it was so far to the right. I don't I'm not arguing any of that. I don't know for sure. I think I you think, could probably go back to the 80s. I mean, you've got the moral majority. You've got Tipper Gore. You've got, you know, all all of those things. You know, Dungeons and Dragons was an entry point into satanic rituals. And you know, it, it's, it's, this thing's been going on for for a long while. Abs absolutely. It just feels like this this particular iteration of it is a lot more extreme, a lot more dangerous uh, and a lot less forgiving than any other uh, version of this that we've seen in the past. It will be really interesting, and I probably won't see it, but it will be really interesting to look back on this from 2030 or 2035 and see how history records this. Yeah. I suspect we're going through a real unusual time, and I think people will be talking about it for a long time. I saw a thing, uh, it was a meme, it, at some point somebody was talking about, you know, 2040, 2050, you're putting on your coat, you reach into the, you reach into the, the, the pocket and you pull out the old, the old face mask, you know, oh man, those were crazy times, just as you get the, the baseball bat and the shotgun and you step out into the zombie apocalypse, and it's just like, <laughs> like, that's, that's coming, that's coming. <laughs> 
But you know, you look at you you know like the 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 supply chain issues that we've got now. You look at the things that are going on up at the uh, up in Ottawa, for example, with the with the truckers convoy, and you get GoFundMe sitting there saying, "Well, they raised ten million. We gave them one. We're going to keep the nine, and suddenly decide that that money. I mean, that's not their money." Right. And you've got scrutiny now from four different attorneys general here in, in the United States sitting there going, well, you know what? This kind of feels a little bit like fraud, GoFundMe. And so GoFundMe sits there and goes, you know, we're just going to auto auto refund give everybody, yeah. give it all back. And I think some of that was people going to their banks for the chargebacks and say, you know, making GoFundMe pay the processing fees to refund all of those things. And... Again, that gets into that, you know, the do we do we do what the customer wants or do we position ourselves with a particular ideology, right or wrong, popular or not? We sit there and we're going to take a hard line and oh, what do you mean there are consequences? You know, yeah. it, it, it seems like, the, again, this goes back to what I said earlier about a lot of these companies not thinking two or three or four steps down no, the line. They're just right. in, in immediate blinders on. This is the one thing we're going to think about. Right. I think that's absolutely right. And I think, you know, when when you're when your company is small and you're just starting out, you know, you have to do business with everybody who comes along because you have to put food on the table. But as you become more successful, you can become more discriminating. I think lots of times the people at the heads of these companies are still operating out of the mindset that we have to do everything that somebody tells us because we need the money kind of thing. Yeah. And I think you're oftentimes better off. You probably make I, I, there was a lawyer I used to work with some and he said, you know, I learned that you can make more money from the business you turn away than the business you accept. Very true. Very true. And I'm not sure that all these CEOs know that. Well, the other the other part of that is, you know, you're known by the company you keep. You that's know, that, that's that's a, th a factor in this as well, because, you know, who yeah, I mean, Justin Trudeau, a good example of that, because people are pointing out he was perfectly fine taking a knee and having the photo opportunities with the Black Lives Matter protests and all of that. But he doesn't want to have anything to do with the trucker convoy. Yeah. What does that say? I mean, it, are you the prime minister of all of Canada or just certain citizens of Canada? What what's what's going on there? So <sighs> you live by the sword, you die by the sword, right? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Uh Keila says, speaking of the apocalypse, you know the apocalypse is upon us when Gary starts a nooner on time and someone is trying to beat Buffy. Um Gary, of course, is a nerd rotic. He's got a show, and, and Gary is, is uh, notorious for not starting on time. So I guess the apocalypse is on our uh, on our <laughs> radar now if he's starting on time. So uh, there's that. All right, so speaking of time, we're at, uh, we're at the end of our hour. Uh, Dan, how can people find you for uh, various different financial advice? Now, do we? I guess we should throw the disclaimer up that we're just talking here. Right. Not uh, not official advice on anything, but I don't think we've talked about investing in any particular thing. So, no, but you can you can find me. I'm easy. It sounds like you stutter, Dan Danford. Uh, there are only a few of us in the country, and I'm the one that's involved in investments. Um, yeah, I have a company uh, in St. Joseph. We also have an office in Lenexa called Family Investment Center. 
uh, and we do active management, portfolio management for people and financial planning. So anyway, I'm glad to talk to anybody. Send me an email or give me a call. All right, Dan. Thanks very much for being here for that. And of My course, pleasure. Always if, fun. If anybody needs to get a message to Dan through us, we're happy to pass that along too. Our email, of course, live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com. And we have, let me see, where did I put it? it uh, this is uh, right there. Here's all of the different ways you can find us, all the different social media accounts, the different video platforms we're on, the newsletter where you can sign up. You can go over to sci-fi4me.com and, and fill out the widget to sign up for our newsletter. Uh, if you've got material for review, you want to mail it to us, there's our mailing address. If you want to send us money, you can do that too. I mean, there's all sorts of different ways that you can show your support, and we do appreciate all of that. Certainly not an obligation. We appreciate all of you just being here. Uh, so on your way out, feel free to hit the like button. Feel free to share the video. If you're new to the channel, we do invite you to subscribe. Have your notifications turned on. Dan, we'll do this again in a month. Money Talk every first Thanks. Monday of the month, and, and we'll do this again. I look forward to it. Thanks, Ben. All right, and thanks to all of you for being here. Don't forget, today is Star Wars Podcast Day. It is the date of the very first Star Wars podcast that ever went live. And so a number of different shows are putting out episodes today. We dropped a brand new Salacious Crumbs this morning. Uh, so go check that out. It's our 133rd episode. So that's uh, that's out there now. And uh, we are likely going to have an H2O podcast tonight. Mr. Harvey and I need to figure out what we're going to talk about, but we'll be here for that. So I uh, hope you join us uh, for that as well. That's going to do it here for us today. Thanks very much for being here, folks. Remember, there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2022 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.